Hello and welcome to Between the Mountains, where we talk about your adventure travels from backpacking to expeditions. I'm your host Chris, and today we welcome Erlen and Johannes from Outdoor Life Norway, who are a hiking company in the Stavanger region of Norway. They cover many different things. Plaikstolen and Sherag Bolton are what we discuss in the last episode and this episode. If you missed out on Plaikstolen, then please do go back and check that out. They are a brilliant company. I highly recommend that you check them out. We talk about the history and the geology, the gear you need, the difficulty, and what they have to offer. If you do enjoy it, please consider subscribing and following. Share with any friends so that we can spread the love. But otherwise, let's get straight into it. So hello, Erlen and Johannes from Outdoor Life Norway. Back to the podcast for part two, where we're going to be talking about Sherag Bolton. How are you both today? Very good. Yourself, Chris. Yeah. Perfect. So it's a different day for the listeners, but it's only a few moments for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, but good to know you're still well and nothing happened on lunch break. But um, yeah, today we're talking about Sherag Bolton. Is that the correct way we're saying this? Yeah, it's a it's a bit of a trick. The whole pronunciation. A lot of people struggle with uh, with that. And uh, I will give you my best explanation on how to pronounce it still people will struggle then but it's the kj is is, is a, a typical norwegian sound and you have to get rid of the k in your mind forget the k but if you want to make that specific sound you have to put your tongue against your lower teeth and then say and then you continue so you say Hjerag, and that's that's, that's it <laughs> but yeah, if you uh, yeah yeah that's actually really, oh. really good. <laughs> Incredible language, but not what we're used to in the UK, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, perfect. So let's let's talk about an overview. So for those who don't know what this hike is, uh, what are the views like? How long is it? Where are we going to? What is Hjerag Bolton? Hjerag Bolton is, we also call it the majesty of the of the Lucifjord. It's, it's the, the little brother of Preikestolen, uh, Popedrog, in terms of popularity, um, yeah. but it's the more rough, difficult, longer uh, hike. Um, so it's if you're flying into Norway or traveling to Norway and Stavanger is your base, then it's roughly two and a half hours away from the city center. And the hike itself is five and a half K one way with the three uh, serious hills and then a plateau that you will have to uh, have to cross. Um, the total elevation uh, gain is about uh, 1,100 meters if you put every step you you're climbing together. And so together it's uh, 11k and uh, 1,100 meters to climb. So yeah, it's a it's a good hike. It takes about three hours each way. Perfect. And. So getting into a bit of history and geology behind it, it's always fascinated me how we've ended up with this situation. And a, a bit like being um, new to Plekstolen, where the, people ask you if it's going to fall off. Uh, <laughs> should we conquer that question as well? <laughs> yes, of, of course. So, so the, the two theories about how this boulder got into, into place. Um, the first uh, theory is... Trolls did it, you know. Um, when you hike in the mountains in Norway, you will see that even on top of mountains, 
and on plateaus, you will find big boulders. And people have been wondering, how did those boulders get there? I mean, often there's not a higher point from which they could have rolled down from. So in the old days, people thought that it must have been trolls. Imagine big trolls uh, uh, wandering around, in, walking around in the mountains, and then uh, meeting each other, getting angry, starting a fight, and then breaking off mountaintops and throwing them at each other. And then as these mountaintops scattered all around, you, you, you would find these, these boulders uh, everywhere. And one of these boulders got stuck in this, uh, in this uh, crack between two, two mountains. That's one version. The other version is that, uh, that geologists said that, no, 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 trolls don't, don't exist. We've actually had uh, 20 to 30 ice ages in this part of the, of the world. And as glaciers uh, move over the mountains, as they slowly do, uh, they've been breaking off rocks at one place and then transporting them to another place. And then when this ice melted by pure chance, one of these boulders got stuck into this, this crevasse, uh, possibly uh, when the last ice age ended about 10,000 uh, years ago. So yeah, you can choose whatever theory you want to believe. Well, they're both competing, and um, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll make sure I give a good thought over it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, and the, the, the question which I'm sure appears on some sort of FAQ part <laughs> somewhere is, is this boulder going to fall? Uh, yes, again, uh, nothing lasts forever. So uh, this too will, will crumble and fall down. But it's been stuck for 10,000 years and it will wow. be stuck for a long, long time. Um, that being said, it is, uh, it is hanging at 984 meters above the fjord. And it's only, uh, yeah, one one and a half meter in diameter uh, if you're standing on it. So a lot of people have been asking us, is it, is this, is it dangerous to, to stand on the boulder? And again, I have two, two approaches to this. Uh, it doesn't involve trolls. Um, but the, the, the first one is that if you look at the statistics, then as far as we know, no one has ever fallen off Kerog's boulder. So in that sense, it's safe. The other approach is uh, con to look at the consequences. If you would slip and fall, what would happen then? <laughs> and the answer is very simple. You would die. So yeah. we take this very seriously. It's a fantastic place, but as a guide, being responsible for the safety of, of our guests, we have very, very thorough and strict briefings and demonstrations on how to approach and get on the boulder. And we do not take any unnecessary risk if it's too windy, if it's too wet, uh, too slippery. If people are too scared, then it's, it's a no, it's a no. And we do a big high five when people come to us and say, you know what, I enjoyed this hike, but I will just look at the rock and I will not be standing on, on it. And then it's a policy that we all applaud and say, well done. Uh, yeah. That's an achievement in itself to, to resist the, uh, yeah, the need For sure. or the pressure. Yeah. That humility so, to be able to understand in yourself uh, the, the better outcome. Because of course it's great pushing yourself, but 
it's not moving anywhere anytime soon and the the wind conditions could change and also you as a person could change you know if if it's because you're scared it might be in five years time you know that's a a part of yourself you've overcome and you might go back there the wind is really still and you might take it upon yourself to go do that so so yeah i, I like that i like the policy of high-fiving when people resist it that's good it's it's also supposed to be a fun hike not you know you're not uh, it's yeah. not x factor you're not you're not yeah <laughs> it's supposed to be enjoyable and again with relatives if you're traveling with friends or family your loved ones they might not like it, even if you do. So it's nice to clarify, at least if you're going with someone beforehand, you know, are you okay with me standing on this rock? And if the answer is no, then maybe you should respect that. And uh, yeah, maybe it's more important to to uh, to uh, 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 reassure your your family member or your loved one that that you're, you you won't do it for their sake, rather than you know that's more important than however you feel it's necessary to get on the rock for for its own sake yeah absolutely yeah i'm in complete agreement there it's um yeah it's, it's good just to enjoy the hike and be part of the group i think that's that's the priority yeah perfect so thinking about the gear so norway gets some lovely and more extreme conditions in the winter and is gorgeous in the summer what kind of gear do i need to be bringing and what do you guys provide as part of the package yeah, well, uh, even though Stavanger is in the very southwest of, of, of Norway, having a well, very mild climate, actually just two and a half hours away where Kjærlogsbolder is, is located, there's a totally different climate. I would almost call it an, an Arctic climate. Um, so summer is um, very short uh, at Kjærlog. Uh, summer temperatures can maybe not be expected at all. If you have a, a very nice warm day at Kjærlag, you, you, are, you are lucky. Um, but typically uh, on our tours, temperatures are uh, between uh, freezing, zero Celsius, and 10, 15 degrees. Um, so you need, to, you need to gear up. You, you, and you're higher up in the mountain than Dreikstum, Rock as well. Uh, the boulder is at 1,000 meters, and you'll be hiking mainly above the tree line on granite surfaces. So again, you need good sturdy boots that give you uh, support and grip as well. You need uh, warm clothes uh, and wind and waterproof pants and jackets, as well as uh, good base layers, uh, a sweater and hats and, and, and gloves um, almost year round, maybe not in, in, in uh, July and, uh, and August when it's, uh, when it's very warm. Um, and you need a, a small backpack with you uh, to have with you for snacks, lunch, water, and those kind of things. If you come unprepared, then we can provide you with uh, with boots, uh, pants, uh, jackets, and we all, always give all our uh, guests the opportunity to hike with hiking poles, which is very useful in uh, in such steep uh, terrain, uh, which we are hiking, especially on the way on the way down. Perfect. And it's um it's worthwhile noting as well that with the the Prague Stolen hike, you've actually got your own shop there. Um where you you can either rent or sell sell pieces of kit. Is this something we've got at this hike as well? Um yeah, so at the base of Prague Stolen we have our adventure center uh, where you can get everything. Um when we uh, guide to Kjerag, we provide 
the service that we pick up guests in Stavanger and travel uh, with them. And then we have our vans uh, equipped with both rental gear and uh, and extra gear that uh, guests can purchase. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Brilliant. So let's start talking about the route then. And this is going to be fascinating for me because at time of recording, uh, I am I have a tour booked with you guys, uh, but I'm yet to do this hike, and it just looks insane. It looks like the views are incredible. It's going to be a really rewarding hike, and I'm really looking forward to it. So let's chat through the route then. Um, what what's what's step one? Okay, so step one is the the transit to actually get to the to the trailhead, and that's a fantastic experience in itself. So depending on the season, uh, we will travel through the fjord on the way to or from Kjærak. So Kjærak's boulder is located at the very end of the Lusa, Lusa fjord. So say that we pick it up in Stavanger and in the morning we do the we do the fjord cruise through the Lusa fjord, which is 42 minutes. You actually get a included one hour fjord cruise on which you will pass Dreikesuren first and you can look up to, to that hiking icon and then you will get further and further into the fjord and to your right, you will see 1,000 meter high walls come coming out of the ocean straight up. And if you have a good vision or good glasses, you can actually see the boulder tiny, tiny above you, uh, 1,000 meters. Um, yeah, then we uh, end in Lusebotten. We end the fuel cruise in Lusebotten, and we'll drive you up a spectacular road to the to the trailhead. It's 27 or 26 hairpins. Uh, people have been disagreeing about that, so you can count them. And uh, we will drive you from sea level up to 640 meters to uh, to start uh, the hike. Um, just on, on the, as a side note, if you want to be sure that you can actually join the, the fjord cruise, you should not book on a Saturday because on a Saturday we don't have the ferries running. So just so you know, um, yeah. And then we start at 640 meters, and you have to climb three hills. The first one, I call a, I call it the killer hill. It's no warming up. Boom, straight up. Uh, it takes about 20 minutes, very steep. There are some chains here and there that you need to need to use. We'll guide you along the way. And to be honest, this is a much tougher hike than Preikestolen. It's 50% longer, it's 50% more elevation gain, and it's colder, more windy, more rugged. Um, so it's not for everyone. You need to be in good shape, and uh, preferably you need to have some hiking experience. And we do see that we have to turn around some of our guests on the first hill. And that's never fun to, to do, um, but it's good that we have a killer hill at the start, so, so it will become obvious at an early, early stage. And um, yeah, so that's the, that's the first hill. And it, you get fantastic views from there right away. You look behind you, you see the Luse Valley, and the mountains might be snow-capped almost uh, almost year-round, except for July and early August. Um, and then we go down a little bit to a, a valley, small valley, and then we climb hill number two, which is shorter but even steeper, <laughs> a little bit technical from 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 place to place. Uh, and then we go down a little bit uh, again, and then we get the third hill, which is actually the biggest hill. So they're all. All three hills are very difficult, uh, each in their own own way. 
but then when you start the third hill, you're already on the Hjarag mountain. The Hjarag's boulder actually doesn't have its own name. Hjarag is the mountain. Uh, and when we start on hill number three, we're actually on pretty much on the edge of the mountain. And at the same time, the Hjarag wall that rises 1,000 meter up from, from the ocean. So from here, you can get fantastic views on, on, the, on the fjord on, on, on a clear day. Um, yeah. And then you're halfway. <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately, the, the second half is, is easier. Uh, once we've reached the highest point uh, at just above a thousand meters, we have 2K of plateau crossing, which is fairly easy unless uh, it's very windy <laughs> and unless it's very foggy, which can also happen from, from time to time. So it's, uh, it's nice to, to have a guide with you to encourage you on that, on that part too. Um, yeah, and then it's all about finding, finding the boulder. At the end, people get very, very excited to actually have to calm down people um, at, the, at, the, at the end. So, so the boulder is stuck in a, in, a, in a crack, as you can see on the picture behind me, or not if you're just listening to the podcast. But um, when we, So we, we enter the crack uh, about 100 meters from the boulder, and there are several boulders that are stuck in the crack, which is not open at that point. I mean, that would be dangerous, right? But so it's a closed crack with lots of boulders in it. So it's a little bit of, of of climbing and going up and down. And then suddenly, boom, you see the postcard picture right in front of you. There's the boulder and there's the fjord. And then it's our strategy to ask people to not take pictures right away. Uh, but to focus on safety and focus on just getting onto the boulder, get that instant moment just done so that you afterwards can realize what you've been doing <laughs> and, uh, and uh, take it all, uh, take it all uh, in. Um, yeah. So that's, that's the way up in a, in a, in a, in a nutshell. Uh, so it's, it's a nice hike. It's difficult. Lots of views uh, also along uh, along along the way with this, the challenge of getting on the boulder, yes or no, at the at the very end, where everyone is a winner, whether you do it or not. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. So yeah, like you kind of summarised there, it's it's a brilliant hike. I like that the first half annihilates you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the delivery was great where you were <laughs> he said and then we're halfway <laughs> <laughs> that's a part of the challenge that's that's part of you know you want it to be a rewarding day and and I, if you're looking at it already you should be able to do a hike so mm. push through mm. that first bit and it should be rewarding i'm looking forward to doing it myself what, uh, 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 so before we get to some some wrap-up questions then is there anything else we need to know about uh Sarah bolton <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. So, so the question about difficulty is, is often asked. I think we've we've answered that. And then there's the the season. When should I visit Kerak? And here, there's a lot of people that are very impatient, and that's that's a good thing. People are eager to travel and get on it uh, and do the hike, especially in the in the early year. Uh, however, the climate in Stavanger is very different from Kerak, and there's a lot of snow that builds up throughout win the winter. And even though everything is springish in the, in the city, it can be full winter still at Kjarak. And the road has to be cleared of snow. 
<laughs> and so even if it's warm, that those two, three, four, five, six, some years, eight meters of snow don't disappear overnight. So uh, when we hike there in mid-May, which is the earliest the road opens, uh, we are hiking, yes, 80 to 100% on snow when we start. And we provide equipment for, for that. Um, so uh, if you're a bit uncertain about your hiking skills, then you should go a little bit later in the year. If you really want to challenge and beat the crowds, uh, go in, in mid-end of, end of May. And then the main season is in June, July, August, and then autumn hits Sierrach already at the end of August. So September is, uh, is, is it's starting to get pretty cold. And in October, with uh, the trail can actually ice up. And if the boulder is iced up, then it's a no-go. We don't go on the boulder, of course. Um, and we've been we trying to stretch. John. Yeah, yeah. For sure. And uh, when we are in October, you should, you should really not do the hike without uh, without a guide. Um, and then normally the road closes at the end of October again, so it becomes impossible to uh, to get there. Uh, some winters we've been uh, organizing expeditions, as we call them, to here to also go there when the road is closed. But then we're talking about multi-day winter snow expeditions on snowshoes where people have to be carrying gear and it, it's a whole whole other ball game um and but we can do those kind of expeditions on, on request yeah perfect and that's actually um a, a a really good point i enjoyed there was um was just that the fact about the guide uh which is for me it's not just about getting that route uh, done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't get a guide just to just to take me along the route because I don't know. It's it's all the other unknowns. It's the unknown of um, of the conditions. It's the unknown of the terrain. Uh, it's the unknown of maybe getting it wrong. But it's also the the positivity and the friendliness of someone else there. It completely relaxes me when I've done guided hikes because I'm I'm not worrying about a single thing. I'm just following the guide, making conversation, and taking in the views. And for me as well, when you're spending that much money to go somewhere. And you don't, you don't, you, all, you already don't know the terrain. You spent the money to be there and, and enjoy the views. The last thing I want to do is be stressing over a map or or the route. So it's nice just to sit back and and enjoy. Of course, you can, you know, in the summertime you don't have to. But for me, if I'm going somewhere I don't know and it's quite a good hike, I just want to enjoy it. So, so yeah, it's yeah. interesting. You mentioned. I I would like to say that uh, something that really makes Sherag challenging and a bit of a a wild card in terms of weather is is the wind uh, because you're so high up. The the mountains around you are basically the same height. So if there's a little bit of wind, it just it doesn't stop. It doesn't slow down. It just bounces off the mountains and hits you right in the face. And if you're doing a six hour in you know six hour uh, is is uh, that that's a normal pace but if you get slowed down a little bit by challenges or something then that's however many hours you're out there in the wind with with no stop and a little bit of rain slightly low temperatures uh, then it's it's it that's what makes Sherag a bit more sort of um scary to do alone in the mountains uh, especially if you don't know the way exactly, like, you know, maybe a f- fog rolls in and then there's no, you know, there's there's one route up and down, basically. And so it's, you know, you have the fjord to one side and then you have more mountains to the other side. So knowing the way 
knowing like how okay this weather is for the hike for the hike it is that's something the guide brings along with them and and that's uh, it's yeah a load off your mind if if you're if you're with a guide if you're doing it alone then then there's so many unknowns about just just the wind just that one factor it really makes a big difference from all other hikes that uh, that we offer at least because um, there's no trees there's there's no shelter up there yeah so and, um, yeah and if that wasn't uh, enough for me anyway I, I really liked getting picked up from from my area <laughs> of anger, so uh yeah. that was not yeah. straight away yeah. don't have it, to it, for us, it's it's about the whole package. Safety is, of course, very important, but uh, we we we're with a small group of uh, of friends, having a, a lovely day, and making sure you are looked after in in all possible ways, from all the way from A to Z. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a long day, it's, but it's a lot of fun, and and Charak really gives a good stage for creating unforgettable uh, adventures. So getting into some wrap-up questions, we've just been directly talking about the weather and seasons. Uh, but for both of you, for you, what's your favourite season to do this hike? Well, I, I, I love, I love end, end of May, beginning of June, when, when the trail is mostly still snow-covered. And you said you're, you're halfway when you've done the three hills, but uh, actually you're not. You're halfway when you're at the top. You have to go down, too. Um, <laughs> And down is often longer than going up. Uh, it's a bit of a paradox. A lot of people think going down is easier. It's not. Um, but in the end of May, when there's a lot of snow, you can slide down on some hills. And we think it's fun. But when we see our guests having fun, it's, it's yeah, people go crazy. It's like, it's like being in, 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 I mean it in the most positive way, but it's like being out there yeah, with a kindergarten class. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> people, people in in a, doesn't their age doesn't matter. Even they're 20, 30, 40, 50, or, or 60, everyone is becoming childish again. And woo, having fun going sliding down the the snow slopes. And um, yeah, that I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I um, think um, that that that's definitely true. I've I recently climbed Snowdon in the UK. And on the way back down, there were some slabs you could slide down. And we actually went out of our way to go and do them. And the other thing is that that time of year is when you're... Uh, we try to, to do the fjord cruise one way, and then there's a mountain road you can drive the other way. It's the same distance. But when we're driving the mountain road that time of year, so talking about May, beginning of June again... Um, we've been cle clearing the road for, for snow, but the snow on the side of the road is still there. And so you can drive through almost like tunnels. You have uh, walls, snow walls that can be two to eight meters high on the side of the road. And Just, for a lot of people, that's surreal. Before we get, before we get to uh, Ellen as well, um, what time of year does uh, do those snow walls uh, appear again? So if we if we couldn't quite make May, but we mm. want to go in that snowy conditions, what's the what's the opposite side to to go and do that hike with you? Well, we we don't have magical trolls that play snowballs there. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that snow that, that snow is, is is built up during during winter. 
Um, so there's, it's, it's not there on the other side of the sea. When the road closes, then there's might be this much snow or a half a meter or a meter. And then during winter, it builds up. And then in May, when they open the road, they actually use these big trucks with rotating digging blades. I don't know what to call them. And then dig through this, through the snow that's covering the road. And then, yeah, making a, a almost a snow tunnel, uh, there. So you only find them end of May. Okay. So it's not it's not the summertime isn't a window of opportunity. It's 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 uh, the sunniest time to go, and then the snow builds up, ready for ready for the beginning of May. Then, yeah, yeah, pretty much, and then the, the snow disappears. Uh, it varies a lot from year to year, but normally the trail is snow free at the beginning of July, and. Um, then in September you can have the occasional snow, and in October you never, you never, never know. You can, you might have an Indian summer, um, but you also. We've been hiking in October with temperatures around minus ten degrees and snow blizzards. Um, so, yeah. awesome. Uh, uh, Ellen, what what about you? What's your favorite season? Well, I I I do like the green stuff. So uh, uh, in the in the summertime, because the season is so delayed up there, that I I, I like the summer because you know you you got uh, you got the, the the trickle of the water in the streams that you can uh, you can drink the water there, and you got happy little sheep bouncing around in the in the hills, and you know the the that warm lush feel and scent of of uh, of uh, the heather and the the uh, crowberries and and blueberries and and stuff that you can nibble on on the, on the way and uh, the occasional cloudberry as well um and on the drive back you know you have these towering uh, if you if you're driving back you have these towering uh, uh, uh mountains you're driving through valleys and you have the the sun hitting the birch trees again. I do like the birch trees, <laughs> but the the green there is just amazing. And and you have these nice waterfalls and uh, farm landscapes. So it's yeah, I I I'm a summer guy. I like the summer. Perfect. And just before we go into a, a last wrap up question, <laughs> have you heard of the guy called Eklaf on Instagram? He yeah. lives in the Stavanger region and. Two years ago, last year he did Trollpunga, but two years ago he actually hiked and put a Christmas tree on uh, uh, Derek, Derek Bolton. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you, have you seen him do that? He's a, he's a good, Falk is a, he's a good friend of a yeah. uh, friend of mine, and uh, we've done some some filming projects at at Charak together, and he's put a put a Christmas tree at Charak. Uh, and uh, at Totung as well, and uh, he's, he's a great photographer. Yeah, he does some yeah. some good stuff. Yeah. So the last question to go into uh, that I was really interested to know. So you both have just hundreds of hikes to your names, uh, and you you keep the company running, and you every single well, every single week you're you're doing this job. For you, what is it that inspires you and drives you to keep going back every single time? May you want us? You want us, Todd? You can start, Alan. Oh, I can start. Well, uh, for me, what brings me pleasure in the job is, uh, and it, it does do that. I'm, uh, I'm not saying this because Johannes is here. I, when I get out of bed, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm happy to start the day. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, some of it is the exercise, and some of it is, yeah, I get to work outside. I get there's no routine. 
there's always more to learn, like the uh, new stuff about nature or, or you know, uh, everything around me, uh, new, uh, new ways to, to uh, deal with, you know, group dynamics, people and not. But, but uh, what brings me pleasure is, is simply, you know, spending time with new people when they're on holiday. Because there are so many jobs where you're with people, but they are, you know, a police officer, for example, when they're with people, they are uh, talking to people on the worst day of their life. Usually that's when you need the police is on their worst day or, 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 a, or a nurse or something that it's, it's hard work. It's serious work. This is more relaxed. People are on holiday. They want to have a good time and you want to give them a good time. So it's, it's, everything's much more cool and, and calm and, 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 uh, everyone's interested in having fun, but also, uh, I'm helping them, hopefully, uh, getting memories for life. You know, this is their one trip to Norway, maybe their entire life. They've looked forward to it. Maybe they've dreamt of coming to Norway uh, for years. They've saved up, and, and finally they're coming. And the memories they get there, I get to be part of and enhance. And this is hopefully something they look back on. Maybe when they're retired, maybe on their deathbed, this is something they think about, like, summarizing their life they're thinking of those memories that i helped create and um and yeah lots of people think that it's fun to be a guide because you go up into the mountains but a lot of people they want to visit new mountains all the time so then they won't be too happy being a guide um being a guide is more about the people just um uh, letting them experience nature, seeing seeing the view through their eyes because they're seeing it for the first time. So that's what you get pleasure from. Is at least me, is is just being there with them as as they choke up, as they see the sunrise above the mountains, or uh, yeah, have their first experience outdoors, the first taste of of a, a mountain stream or of blueberries that they pick themselves. It's yeah, that's what. That's what does it for me. Perfect. And Johannes? Well, Alan has said it, said it all pretty, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of hiking, having to hike the, the, the same mountain over and over again, it's not really a punishment. Well, the first time you're out as a guide, when you start, it's really cool. You meet new, new people all the way, and then you get through a phase where you get into the routines and you master your, your skills of of telling stories and, and, and your routines even better and better. Um, and then when you get up to the high numbers, it, it sometimes becomes a, a thing. You know, Alan has done most hikes to, to, to Breikstum. I'm, I'm the record holder on, on Kjerag. That becomes kind of a cool thing. Um, <laughs> but what really, uh, what I really like uh, then, even though you've done a hike hundreds of times, is that when you, ha when you have guests with you that do that specific hike for the very first time, they tell you how they experience the hike and they see things that you don't either don't notice anymore or actually have never seen before because their perspective is totally different. So actually I'm seeing the, guy, the, the hike through the eyes of my guests as well. Um, and that is something I really like. And the other thing I really like about this job is that Norway is known for being a very uh, egalitarian country, right? Um, with a, a, a flat hierarchic structure in society. And I think 
that's what I like a lot about hiking in the mountains too. The mountains are for everyone. So on our tours, we can have people that are students um, together with CEOs from big global companies. We can have people with totally opposite political views, re religions, uh, perspectives on life, and it, it doesn't matter. Everyone is equal when they are together on a hike. And I've, I've, I've told this, so we see this every day, and people get along because of a common interest in having fun, being outdoors, enjoying the mountains. And we would love the, the big political leaders of the world to go on a hike, preferably a multi-day hike together, because I think a lot of the world problems could be solved uh, in the mountains. We solve them every day with the guests, but no one, no one listens to us on, uh, in the political arenas. <laughs> but it's about people. It's all about people. Perfect. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and chatting through uh, chatting through the hike um, and uh, I, I'd like to promote you guys um, certainly um, if you want to do uh, Preg Stolen uh, or Sherag Bolton I'm going to default to Sherag because I, I, I'm failing to get the pronunciation correctly um, then uh, Outdoor Life Norway uh, what's your Facebook and Facebook tag and, and website Outdoor Life Norway no. oh perfect dot com mm. oh perfect nice one um, yeah I highly recommend them but Guys, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's really been my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. You've been a great host, Chris. Yeah, it's been great. So I hope you enjoyed that podcast. I certainly enjoyed sitting down with them and learning much more about the hike that I'm very much looking forward to doing later this year. If you did enjoy it, please consider subscribing and following and telling a friend. And if you would like to join in with Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, my tag is at BTM Travel Pod. You can join in there. Also, if you want to come on the show or if you have questions and queries, then btmtravelpod at gmail.com is the place to go. Definitely check out Outdoor Life Norway. They are a fantastic company. I highly recommend from experience. But otherwise, I hope you have a fantastic day and I'll see you in the next one.